From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, collegiate senior in atmospheric science Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer for The Lift on the Weather Channel app, Dina Knightley, social media specialist and meteorologist at the Weather Channel, Jen Watson, freelance on-camera meteorologist, speaker, and former meteorologist on the Weather Channel, Kim Cunningham, and I'm your announcer and Skywar Network radio operator, Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, amateur storm spotter, Bill Johnson. All right, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the Stormfront Freaks podcast and Stormfront Freaks Raw. And we want a, a special thank you not only for listening and viewing, but a special thank you for those of you watching during our first live broadcast on Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV. Uh, it's good having you guys all on. And, and, you know, I always tell people when you start doing live shows, it could be very dangerous. And, and especially with this group, I think, uh, can be very... No, no, Phil, not at all. Never. So, about, so we, just, we throw that disclaimer out there for all you now, you know, watching us live. Just, you know, be careful because you never know what you're going to get. Oklahoma, where the... Wait. <laughs> so this is episode 21, and our guest is social scientist uh, and severe weather preparedness expert, Dr. Laura Myers. Uh, is with us tonight. We look forward to uh, some great discussion with her. And I'll tell you, with all this hubbub, you guys have been hearing, it's more political, but all the hubbub of fake news and alternative facts, uh, we're actually going to be discussing social media that fuels that fire during severe storms and, and for uh, winter storm forecasts. There's a lot of fake news and alternative facts when it comes to weather as well. And of course, our favorite weather fools and weather resources will close us out. So uh, we definitely hope you'll stick with us for the next hour or so. But we want you to know, uh, we like to have fun on this show, but our show is always better during happy hour, okay? So, so we always broadcast. Yeah, well, yeah, everyone cheers to that. We always broadcast during happy hour. So those of you at home, feel free to, to sit up at the bar with us. Uh, but let's introduce everybody and, and find out what everybody's drinking. We're going to start with uh, MJ up in Minnesota. What do you got, brother? Well, tonight I'm joining you from the office at my school. So that tells you a little bit about what I might be drinking. I have a bottle of Diet Dew. There you go. Diet Dew. Diet Dew. Okay, we just lost a bunch of viewers right now going, what? Nice way to start it off. I'm I'm back to what I was drinking uh, last episode, which is actually Braxton Brewing Company in Newport, Ohio, has uh, a golden cream ale that they call Storm. Uh, it's very good, nice. but I still had some left for my six pack, so uh, that's what I have. Jen, we're going to turn it to you now. Jen, you have uh, made some announcements recently, <laughs> but it explains why your drink is never real exciting either. But uh, tell us your news and what are you drinking? Well, I've got a little Stormfront freak brewing in my belly right now. Um, I am just over. I know. That's a true fact. And I'm wearing a Stormfront freak shirt. Wow. I know. It's exciting. Plug, you can find those at stormfrontfreaks.com. Yeah. But no, I'm drinking a nice, refreshing Dasani sparkling water. 
right. So yeah. you're getting to be predictable. Getting to be predictable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you, Phil, you're drinking the same thing so as last yeah, week. Just twice. That's it. That's uh, it. Not every know. show. It's not every know. show. Okay. He's so trying Jen, to get a free so case. Jen, Jen is down in Atlanta. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously a part of the Weather Channel. And then we got Brady. Brady Harris is up in Columbus at Ohio State University. Brady, what are you drinking tonight? Well, you know what? I've got a Fat Cat Confession IPA. There is a brewing company called Fat Cat. That is a real thing. You can look it up on the internet. And it suits me great because I love IPAs. And <laughs> I've got love a cat cats. that's fat as well. Yeah, I love cats. So it's it, perfect. And, of course, you could be drinking anything tonight because your video camera is not working and we yes, can't see I you. Yes, I could be drinking. I could be drinking so motor fluid. So it, it, no one knows. <laughs> You know, that would be more exciting, I think. No, that would be brutal. <laughs> All right, we got we got uh, Dina, Dina Knightley down in Atlanta, uh, part of the weatherchannel.com. Uh, Dina, what do you have tonight? I've got something good. I'm drinking my old smoky moonshine. Ooh. Can you see that? Oh. And it's got all kinds of fruit juices. And you can see, if you can see the video, I've got strawberries in it. And since yeah. I was finishing off the whole bottle, I just put it in the jar. Wow. And I'm That's gonna, perfect. You, know, you ain't messing around. No. I don't mess around. If you're going to do it, do it right. So Dina's going to have a good show tonight. We can <laughs> How I roll. Dina's going to be very relaxed. Right, then we got, we got uh, Mark Massaro from uh, Cincinnati, former TV meteorologist. Maz, we call him Maz. What are, you, what are you drinking tonight, Maz? Well, first of all, Dina, eat the fruit because there's no alcohol in the fruit. I just want you to know this. <laughs> when it's soaked in alcohol, it is. Oh, it is? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, actually, um, I was looking for something kind of sweet tonight, so I actually found an angry orchard Ooh. from, like, the fall. Uh, it was way wow. back in the fridge. Yeah. And it went well because I actually had peach cobbler before, mm. which kind of cuts That's down on the sugar content. This actually is... It's a little sour after the peach cobbler. There you go. Oh yeah. 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 That's that's a good mix. All right. Maz, that was that was my first drink, Maz. Angry Orchard. It's good stuff. Wow. What's good stuff? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. sixteen. Right. Six. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna have it. Family show. <laughs> family show. No, not necessarily. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, this won't be your formal introduction, uh, Laura, but um, Laura's with us down in Alabama and our guest tonight. Uh, but we want to include you. In our happy hour, what are you drinking with us? I'm drinking Diet Pepsi at the University of Alabama in my Clemson Tiger mug. Your your house has got to be TP'd like every other <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh you had a chance to meet everybody and all the freaks uh in our group. Let's get to uh what we we're here to talk about and talk with tonight. Dean, I'll turn it over to you to introduce our esteemed guest. All right. Tonight, we welcome our special guest, social scientist, Dr. Laura Myers. She holds a PhD in criminology from the Florida State University and is the director and senior research scientist for the Center for Advanced Public Safety at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Her research areas include disaster and emergency management, severe weather warning improvement, and risk communication. Now, Dr. Myers, you have an impressive resume, and I've uh, and you've conducted multiple studies about the behavior of the public. You've worked with the National Weather Service regarding the warning process, especially after like big storms like the Moore and El Reno, Oklahoma tornadoes back in 2013. But my question is, how did you get from criminology to research in disaster management? Because those two things don't seem to have an obvious tie between the two. 
No, it's definitely not obvious. Um, I had studied and researched criminal justice and criminology for about 25 years, and then 9-11 happened, and there was a lot of concern about emergency management and emergency preparedness, and there were not a lot of researchers and professors of emergency management. And so I was asked to start studying emergency management and doing research in emergency management, which led to the weather and weather preparedness. And so that's the connection. Wow. Okay, great. That's awesome. So I, I'm going to start off with, with just a couple questions. Sorry, Jen. Um, I, I actually had one, one of the friends of the show, Jay Farlow, uh, actually emailed me a couple questions because he wasn't going to be able to watch the show live. But they were very good questions, which, which I thought were important anyway. Number one, he wanted to ask a little bit when it comes to false alarms. So tornado warning issued and no tornado kind of situation. Um, what, I, I guess, how does, first off, how does the public, Laura, react? How does that affect their reaction to future warnings, number one? And then number two, when it comes to the National Weather Service, if you know, how, how is their, what's their scorecard look like as far as what, how often are they doing a warning that an actual tornado happened and what do you think that scorecard should look like? Okay. Well, to the first part of the question, uh, the issue of how people perceive false alarms. Uh, it's really interesting because I think the weather enterprise, the broadcast meteorologists and the National Weather Service really worry about whether people are desensitized by what they think are false alarms. And it's actually the case that only about a third of people complain about false alarms. The other two thirds are glad to have the warning and if it doesn't hit, they're happy that it didn't hit. And so it's really a much smaller percentage of people who complain about those false alarms and they're the ones that are less likely to respond appropriately the next time. And so the question is, how do we reach those folks? How do we deal with that desensitization? And that goes to your next question about the, um, you know, the track record for the National Weather Service. And the Weather Service has worked very hard after some recent severe events to try to improve the false alarm ratio. After the 2011 tornadoes here in Alabama and Mississippi, um, that was part of the effort was to try to reduce the false alarm rate, use the technology better, figure out better ways to reduce that number. And of course, that gets to the use of polygons and trying to reduce the area of the warning, going from county-based warnings to polygon-based warnings. So there's been a lot of effort in that area, as well as impact-based warnings. And so the false alarm ratio has improved significantly. Uh, in Birmingham, for example, um, about 30% improvement in the false alarm ratio, which is just outstanding. And so I've worked with several weather service offices who have done the same thing over time. And it's really all about the technology and the use of polygons and impact-based messaging. I also heard that Birmingham's weather service got toilet papered several times. So I think, <laughs> does that lead to improve false alarms? Uh, no? Well, yeah, it can. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Myers, you've done a lot of research on the behavior of people and what triggers or causes them to take action or do something or seek shelter. 
Uh, you did a lot of research on after April 27th and uh, 2011 and also the 2013 tornadoes in Oklahoma. Can you elaborate a little bit more on some of the research you've done and findings? Like what will make someone actually take shelter when there's you're an on-camera meteorologist or even socially, you know, if you're putting it out on Twitter or something? Well, the biggest issue is the psychological process that people go through. They really don't want to change their behavior unless they think the tornado is really close to them and is going to impact them. And so that's what we learned from those two events is if we can meet that psychological need, people are more likely to take action. So, for example, they want secondary confirmation. The first warning's not enough. They're like, well, is it really close to me? Is it in my county? Is it near my neighborhood? Is it near my home? So if we can show them like on television with videos that here's the actual tornado, here's the damage it's already done and this is where it's at and this is where it's going, that makes a big difference. If we can give them that location information and timing information, then they're more likely to act. If we can tell them the impacts of the type of tornado and the type of winds that are coming and tell them the kind of damage it will do, they're more likely to take action. So we've learned that from not just those two events, but all the events that we've evaluated. Yeah, Laura, so I have a question about um, tornado sirens. So there's been kind of a pretty recent debate about are they effective, are they not effective? Um, have you done any research on, you know, is a tornado siren um, effective or is getting a warning from your phone more effective than that? I'm not, you know. Yeah, we've done several evaluations over um, multiple events, and recently we've actually done a study of all of the warning modalities, including okay. the cell phones and the sirens and NOAA weather radio, to look at what people use and what functions best in different events. And all of them are important. They all serve certain functionalities, and they all produce information in different ways and with different timing. And so to your question about sirens, Sirens are important because they're one of the warning modalities, but it's important for the public to understand their limitations. And one of the things that we've discovered is that a lot of people think they're going to be able to hear sirens in their homes yeah. and they're not going to be able to. No. And so it's true. Yeah. And there's, so there's been a lot of arguments that we should do away with sirens, but they do have a lot of utility. They are for outdoor use. And when they're used outside, people outside hear them and they serve that purpose. So what we recommend and what the research has illustrated is that you need multiple modalities. You need the cell phone. You can rely on the siren, but you got to have the other ways of doing it. NOAA weather radio is important for overnight warnings. And we've done a lot of studies about which modalities work better at night. And so, you know, it's really about multiple modalities. So, Laura, when we get the folks that are, you know, in that prime time, late afternoon, early evening, they're in their commute, which is a high probability of when tornadic or huge storms take place. Yep. What, do, what do we see at that point in time? Because a lot of people, they've got their radio turned on. They may not be able to hear the sirens. I think they have a hard time hearing the emergency squads going down the road sometimes. How does that factor into, because they're really the most vulnerable people and they're out in the traffic and now what? Yeah, and, and that's been a big issue. We deal a lot with you know what we call transient warnings. When people are out on the roads, they're going about their business, how do we reach them? And one of the efforts that's been worked on recently is digital signage. And so using digital signage to get that information out with people on their commutes, they're heading home and the digital signage you know, either tells them to turn to a radio station for information or even gives them the exact warning. 
And so that's one way. Then the cell phones, of course, have the WIA alerts. Um, there's also alert notifications uh, in a lot of communities that are going to hit their cell phones that are in their cars. And so um, actually educating the public about the need to have those modalities and recognize those modalities when they're in a transient situation. How, what, what's the challenge, Laura, though, with that? Um, because a lot, of the, a lot of those devices or modalities, as you call them, are, are broadcasting information from the National Weather Service. But of, of course, if people are in their cars or, or at home, they're also turning into their local news and everything else. I, I guess, ha have any of your studies looked at how many different resources people are looking at to get their information at the same time? You talked about secondary confirmation earlier. Are they looking at multiple sources? And are some of those sources conflicting that's creating even a, a tougher situation for the public to know what to do? It is. Um, and we have evaluated that. We've looked at the process that people go through, you know, the, the use of the different tools. And so typically what they do, they get the information from one modality first, whatever it is. And then they turn to other modalities. Um, like you say, the television, social media, um, all the different ways they can get that information. And once they start doing that, that's where the confusion can come from. And so it's really important that there's consistency between the information from all of those different sources. And typically there is a lot of consistency, especially if it's a high impact event, if there's good lead time, um, good information. It's the uncertain events and the ones that are really hard to forecast and describe that lead to some of that inconsistency. And so that's where we see the bigger problems is with you know the uncertainty um, involved with a weather event. You get all different kinds of perspectives and information. And then there's the issue of graphics, um, the inconsistency in the graphics, the colors that are used in the graphics, the mapping information. So there's a lot of issues that come up. And you know we didn't used to have that problem. We used to only get weather information through one or two ways. And now we've got all these different ways. So it is creating that consistency issue. Are you are you aware of any future gathering of all these different National Weather Service and television meteorologists and all these different sources to get together and start saying, hey, let's try and tighten things up a little bit with what we're communicating to the public? Yeah, there's several efforts going on. There's some between the various agencies involved trying to create more consistency. Um, they've recognized the gaps in inconsistency, and so they're trying to, to work through, through those, and there's been a lot of success with that. And then there's a lot of people in the weather enterprise who want to get everybody together to talk about what it would mean to be consistent. How do you take such a monolith of information now and create that consistency? And that's no easy, cha easy challenge to overcome, but there are efforts and I'm involved with that. Is there, I wonder, is there an opportunity here for maybe, you know, especially for folks that are out and about somewhere with with car manufacturers that maybe since everybody has GPS these days, you know, if someone's listening to music or, or something, maybe emergency management is able to, I don't want to say take over, but be able to broadcast a tone that then diminishes the volume on the radio so they can broadcast something that is specific for where those polygons might be for those mm -hmm. folks that are out and about. I mean, I, does anybody Dude, ever you just gave away a million dollar idea. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I'm yeah, here for. I mean, they should have kept that to yourself. <laughs> they, and they have that on some radio stations, but it doesn't, it, you know, it's not consistent across the board, I think. Like, there are some times when a weather alert will pop up and, and you know, disrupt whatever program I'm listening to on the radio. 
Um, but then comes the problem, you know, what if someone's listening to their phone, you know, and, and what if they've got, you know, notifications, you know, disabled or something. Because I think there's a big problem of some people just don't necessarily want to get disturbed by that kind of stuff because they've never been impacted by it and they've never lost a family member, you know, to it or something like that. Um, so I think that's a big problem too is, is you know, Laura, have, have you done any research on how to reach those people, how to reach, you know, the, the people that don't watch the news and that aren't necessarily plugged in as much as, you know, they would need um, for um, to really get these warnings in a convenient way? Yeah, there's a lot of work being done in educational outreach, trying to reach the populations that are not necessarily technologically savvy, um, those who have you know turned off the tools that would help them, who've turned off those settings, trying to figure out how they can reach them and reach them you know in terms of a crisis communication versus a risk communication. Risk communication is we try to reach them several months in advance of a severe weather season to tell them that they're going to need these tools, that they're going to need to acquire this information. And then when we get closer to the event, how do we get their attention? And so there's a lot of different ways. One of the biggest groups that's difficult to reach are young people because they're not watching television. They're not using a lot of these modalities. And yep. so the one way we know we can get to them is through social media. So how do you get information out on social media to young people in a way that one gets them quick enough and then also gets their attention and gets them to act? Yeah. Can, can you shock them through their cell phone? Because <laughs> <laughs> you hope they have a good app with, you know, their geolocation yeah. because like even mine, I, I don't listen to the radio much. I'll listen to, um, you know, my music on my iTunes, but my app will pop a notification on and even when I'm in my car, I'll hear a ding and you'll see the warning come up. Um, but, you know, you made a good point, uh, Dr. Myers, where you were talking about getting people aware a long, t a long time ahead of time for like severe season. But it also brings up the question and maybe you've done research on this. Do people know the difference between a watch and a warning? No. Or do we need to do better? <laughs> we, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. so depressing. That is so it's, depressing. Yeah. Oh, God. It's true. It it really is. Is. It's amazing, too. And it's not just the general public. I mean, I talk to emergency managers and other people in the weather enterprise, and they're confused. And, and that's really scary. Wow. Yeah. And, and the issue is, is, you know, we've evaluated all the terminology. We've looked at watches, warnings, advisories, and everybody understands what a warning is. But everything else is confusing because those things don't capture their attention. And we know that's the problem with the watch. And the people that confuse the watch, for some reason, they think watch means it's been seen. The tornado has been seen. And so you're supposed to be watching for it coming. Yeah. And you can see the, the rationale there. But why do they think that? And that goes back to the education. And so there's a lot of work being done to actually help do the outreach, the education that's needed to help people understand the terminology. I'm still confused by the humidity alert. What does that even mean? Humidity. <laughs> it means you need to grab a towel and a bucket. <laughs> There's so yep. many things that you and can be alerted for these days. You know, it's like, what? That's part of the problem. Alert That's part overload. Of the problem. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of problems. And look at, like, if you look at the National Weather Service page, I don't think I could even name all the watches, warnings, advisories that they issue. I mean, what is there, 30 or 40? Mm -hmm. I mean, between winter, mm -hmm. severe flooding, I mean, you can't keep up with all of them. Um, but I mean, 
since I'm I've done TV and been in the media, it's good to talk to you because if you could give me or another met in the field ideas like we show video we try to show where it is you said remain consistent that's a good one but how you know i'm not a doctor i don't save lives i'm not a, a policeman or a firefighter but i hope the information i send out might help somebody like help some other mother out there with a kid to save a life and how do you do that like what else can we maybe show we've gone into this conversation before but like you know, if you can give any other advice about how we communicate, is it um, like our tone, um, more graphics, more video? I'm, I don't know. Do you have any other advice? Yeah, we've done a lot of work on that. And, and what's interesting about that is the credibility that the TV meteorologist has with their viewers. And so when you're on there and you're talking about this stuff, they know when it's really serious because of your tone about what you're saying and how you're acting. And they talk about that. They, they know the differences when it's really serious based on the way you're delivering that information. And also the way you talk to them, being very direct about what it is they need to do. So the calls to action are very, very critical. When people are in situations like this, they, they tend to panic. And so the best way we can help people is to say, this is what you need to do. You need to enact your plan now. You need to take shelter now. And it's important that you've given them information beforehand about what that plan should be and where That's that shelter good. is, because they don't have time to figure that out. And so it's a two-part process. And so we have found over and over again the value of that. The public tells us that over and over. I gauge um, the Dr. severity Lord. of the storm by the amount of sweat that's coming from the meteorologist <laughs> on air. Yeah, that's one of those. <laughs> no, Dr. Myers, it's interesting you said that because uh, on April 27th, I was working in Tupelo, Mississippi and covering the, the severe weather and we had three outbreaks. And I'm usually like a fun, bubbly kind of person in the morning. And um, I was very serious that day. And people said, like, we've never heard her sound like that before. Mm -hmm. And we knew she was serious at that point because and that's why we took shelters because of her tone right. and, and how she said it which is crazy. And that's just it. And I mean, and that's real. I mean, when you guys were doing that, that was real. You were trying to get them to understand and, and you guys were concerned. You had known there was so much lead time on that event. And so for days you had been that way. And that made a big difference. You know, the outlook and the lead time by being serious for several days even makes a difference. And that gets people more prepared. And so they talk about that. They talk about that tone of voice. And, you know, they talk about your personalities in terms of what it is on a regular day versus what it is on a really bad day. Yeah. It's really bad. No, not like that. Not like that. Not, that's not good. You, you don't want to freak them out and scare them. You just want to be I'm, serious. I'm glad I'm not understand. a TV meteorologist. Yeah, that would not be good. Hey, I've got, I've got one more question for you, Laura. Um, <laughs> I have got, uh, or I had, I should say, a, a family member that had a lot of anxiety when it came to uh, when tornado warnings were being issued, thunderstorms were coming in. Uh, she got very anxious. Um, I saw something about you doing some kind of work with virtual reality to treat storm anxiety or aware of something. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, in conjunction with some of our social work and psychology professors here in Alabama who were concerned about the anxiety that arose after the 2011 tornadoes, 
um, we developed some virtual reality technology to help work through that anxiety. And essentially what the virtual reality environment does is it puts the person back in a severe weather scenario. And so they're in a home, the storm's coming, they start to hear the sounds. We have the NOAA weather radio going off. We have James Spann, our local meteorologist. Come oh, on. that's scary. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There's overhauls. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. overhauls. I said overhauls. Or, yeah. yeah. But what it does is it brings it all back and it helps them work through that anxiety and helps them. And we do it in conjunction with social workers and counselors who are working with these folks who are trying to work through the anxiety. And it's designed to help them cope with future events. And we have a tremendous amount of it here in Alabama. Well, good. Well, hey, um, one thing before we move on, uh, Laura, how, how can listeners follow you on social media or find out more about the work you're doing? Wait, she's not on social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Laura Myers. Uh, that's probably the, the best place to find me. Or you can find me um, at our website at the Center for Advanced Public Safety. A lot of our information is on there. Um, also, the CAPS Facebook page. Um, a lot of our media interviews about the research and projects are on the uh, Facebook page. So um, Twitter's probably the best, though. Good. Okay, well, hey, so it's time for our lightning round. Uh, and, and for all of our new viewers, and Laura, for you, this is kind of our speed round of fun questions that we have for our guest. And, and so we like to have fun, right? We, we have some serious talk about weather, but whoever our guest is, we're always going to have fun with them as well. So <laughs> what we're going to do tonight is, Laura, it seems that you are uh, a friend of animals and you have some pets. Is that correct? That's right. Buddy the dog, Itsy the cat, and I've recently acquired two baby hamsters. Wow. Oh, nice. That little mini zoo starting down there. <laughs> well, so here's what we're going to do. We are playing animal-themed Minute to Win It. Um, yeah. So if we have any animal fans uh, listening or watching, feel free to play along with us uh, at home. But here are the rules. So I call it Minute to Win It, but it's not really like the, the game show Minute to Win It because we're not doing any skills um, but what I'm going to do is, uh, Laura, I'm going to put, I'll let you pick. There's three different uh, topics. I shouldn't call them topics, but you, you've got three different times that you're going to play. You get to pick your opponent each time, so you can pick one of the freaks. So there's okay. Jen, there's Tina, <laughs> there's Maz, and there's gotcha. Brady. MJ, I'll keep, okay, MJ, if I keep you out, you know, okay, you're good. <laughs> so, it's, uh, so you can pick from Jen, Dina, Maz, or Brady. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with you. You're going to have 10 seconds. I'm going to tell you to name something, like, you know, name uh, uh, the top 10 cars uh, sold in the United States, right? And I'm going to give you 10 seconds. You try and name as many as you can. Uh, then I'll count how many you got right, and then we're going to go to your opponent, and they'll have 10 seconds, but they can't pick any of the ones that you already named. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, I don't, oh, God. That's rough. Stop crying. Minute. Stop Dr. crying. Dr. Myers, don't pick me. Pick Jen. Pick so, Jen. Pick Jen. So this, this is how it's going to work. So, so the first one we're starting off with, I'll tell you right now, these are animal-themed superheroes. The top what? 10 animal-themed superheroes by ComicVine.com. So animal-themed superheroes. So we're, I'm going to give you 10 seconds, Laura. 
right. start naming off animal themed comic heroes. Go. Oh my gosh, Super Dog. Uh... <laughs> Goodness, this is hard. I have no idea either. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> okay. Five more seconds. Oh gosh. Oh. All right, <laughs> so we're not we're not off to the best of starts. No, <laughs> so unfortunately, you got oh. zero of the top ten animal themed superheroes. Who are you picking to go up against? <laughs> remember, remember Dean has been drinking moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> they would come out here. I bet. Uh, let's do so Maz. You're on the clock. Ten seconds. Animal themed superheroes. Go. Uh, Scooby Doo, um, <laughs> Underdog, uh, Run Joe Run. Wait, that wasn't his what? name. Was it? I'm <laughs> older than you. Okay. Okay. Somehow I got something really wrong on that. Here, here's the thing: is Laura, you, you tied. You tied with the freak. Neither. Yeah. Of them okay. Nice. Here's, here's, huh. here, here are the top ten guys: Wolverine, Spider Man, Batman. Robin, Catwoman, Penguin, Sabretooth, oh. Hawkeye, Black Okay, let's Black do it again. Panther. Let's do it again. Right. Let's do it again. So that, that was not so good. All right, so we're moving on to the next one. Here is, uh, Laura, top ten. These these are the greatest cats in cartoons and comics. Oh. By Ranker.com, okay. the top ten greatest cats in cartoons and comics. Okay. Uh, Sylvester, uh, Tom from Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Um, that's the best I can do. All right, so you got two. Those two were in the top ten. All right, now pick okay. your opponent. Pick your freak. There is a right uh, answer. Let's go with Jen. Let's go with Jen. And you can't you can't use Tom and you can't use Sylvester. Greatest cats in cartoons and comics. Yeah. Go. I honestly have no idea. That's why Dr. Laura Myers is going to win this one. Um, You're using up time. Besides Tom, uh, I have no idea. I will say this, Laura. Uh, good job who you picked because you, you won that round. <laughs> yes. Um, I heard Brady say Garfield. That was one of them. Yeah, that's Garfield. Was it really though? Yeah. Puss in oh, Boots. Yeah. Oh, Puss in Boots. Simba yeah. from The Lion King. Pink okay, Panther. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pink Panther. Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Bagheera from The Jungle Book. Cheshire, uh, Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland. And Hobbs from Calvin yep, and Hobbs. There it is. Oh, there there it is. Yeah. What about Josie and the Pussycats? All right. This, this, oh. this, I was thinking this, this is the last one. All right. This is the last one. Minute to win it. Uh, so, Laura, we're going to start off with you again. Now, this one should be easier. I hope to God. Uh, these are the top house pets by the top tens.com. The top house pets. Go. Dog, cat, snake. Hamsters, gerbils, parakeets, parrot, cockatiels, frogs, turtles. Wow. All right. Nice job. What you got? You got dogs, cats, hamsters, birds, and turtles. So you got five of the top ten. 
Wow. That's only because she has them on her house. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So who are you going up against? You still have uh, Brady and Dina. Uh, let's go with Dina. I want to see what comes out of that. Right. Okay. Dina, oh, I can so, see. Go, Dina, so no go. dogs, no cats, no hamsters, birds, or turtles. You, there's five more. Go. Say guinea pig, goldfish, spider, um, spider. rat. Well, I see people with spiders. Oh, lizard. Uh, that's all I got. Okay. Bunny so, so you got two. Oh, so, congratulations. <laughs> uh, He's killing us. Uh, you, you won two of the three, and you tied. So you're you're two zero oh, and one. That's a pretty good record on this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Dina, you got guinea pigs and fish. The other ones uh, were rabbits, okay. lizards. And or did you say lizards? I said okay, lizards. so you got three. I'll I'll give you three. It's still not five, but I'll give you three. Uh, <laughs> so so it's rabbits and ferrets. Oh, gross! Ferrets are disgusting. Hey, Phil. Phil yeah. No more PhDs on the show, okay? That's true. I ought to be careful of that. Yeah. Making us look bad. So, uh, Laura, hey, thanks for having fun with us. It's always kind of good doing some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. Our podcast listeners are going to hear Brady Storm School, and our raw viewers are going to kind of get a little peek behind the curtain to see the unedited banter. Uh, so you may get a surprise or two as you kind of watch what we talk about during the quick little break. Like but a wardrobe don't leave. Right? Like what? Like a wardrobe change, right? Uh, yeah. Live video. I don't know. Yeah. very good for live video. But, hey, it's don't leave us. We're going to be right back with Laura. And the team, I think we also got William Cole will introduce. Uh, but we're going to discuss alternative facts and fake news, the social media spread of weather information and photos. We'll see you right back. This is Storm School, where together we'll take an in-depth look into certain weather phenomenon, why they happen, where they happen, what causes them. Some topics we'll cover will things you might have never heard before or things you've heard a lot. Welcome to Storm School. Class yeah. is in session. Hello once again, guys. I'm Brady, and on this week's episode of Storm School, we're going to take a look at snow ratios, exactly what they mean. Um, you know, what is a snow ratio? What does that mean for a winter storm? What does that mean for a clipper system that's going to come through? How much snow does that mean we're going to get? Um, and exactly um, what the precise thing that is that causes a snow ratio to either be higher or lower. You know, sometimes a meteorologist will say, yeah, you know, this system's going to come in. It's going to have some heavy wet snow. The snow ratio is going to be a little bit lower this time, which means we might not get as much snow um, or vice versa in other cases. I'll get into that as well. All right, let's get into the storm school. So what exactly is snow ratio um, or snow liquid basically the snow liquid equivalent so the average snow liquid equivalent is around 10 to 1 and what that means is for every 10 inches of snow if you were to melt it that would equal one inch of rain so take for example you double that and now it's 20 to 1 that means for every 20 inches of snow that equals one inch of rain so what that means is if you get a storm that comes through a snowstorm that comes through with the higher snow ratio, and you know, say instead of 10 to 1, you have a 20 to 1 snow ratio, that means 
that for the same amount of precipitation, say you're getting one inch from that storm, you'll be getting 20 inches of snow instead of 10 inches of snow like you would if you had a 10 to 1 snow ratio. That, you know, that, the same principle applies to if you get a storm that has a 5 to 1 snow ratio, you're going to get less snow than you would if you had a 10 to 1 snow ratio. So that's basically what, um, what a snow ratio is. Now how is it determined? So basically um, you want surface temperatures that are below freezing. That's the first criteria because if you have surface temperatures that are above freezing, then those snowflakes are going to melt as they come through the atmosphere and either fall as freezing rain or melts on contact with the ground and that's not going to allow snow to accumulate. So you want surface temperatures below freezing. Now the second criteria you want is you want a thick layer of below freezing temperatures for the snowflakes to fall in, specifically at the 850 millibar level. I know this is getting a little sciencey. Hang with me, guys. So 850 millibars is um, basically above the surface. It's it's um, not near the surface of the Earth, but um, it's it's not too high up in the atmosphere. Um, it's pretty close to the surface, actually. Um, you want those temperatures to be between negative 12 degrees Celsius and negative 18 degrees Celsius. Now, why is this? That is basically the precise area um, where snowflakes grow to be their biggest. It's called dendrite growth zone. Um, that's That basically causes those snowflakes to be um, as big as they can be and, and to accumulate as much ice and water vapor on them as well. It has something to do with the uh, saturation vapor pressure, but we're not going to get into that. If you want to get into that, you can look it up. Um, it's, it gets pretty technical and sciencey. So I'm going to keep it basic here. So basically, um, you want those 850 millibar temperatures to be between negative 12 degrees Celsius and negative 18 degrees Celsius, because that causes those snowflakes to grow as big as they possibly can. And then you want that layer below 850 millibars all the way down to 900 to the surface um, to be below freezing as well so that those snowflakes do not melt. Um, and what kind of storms do you see these types of snow ratios in? You know, if, if you have say a 850 millibar temperature of negative 15 degrees Celsius, you know, you'll usually find those in some Alberta clipper type systems where it's very, very cold, because that's pretty cold for 850 millibars. Um, so, so you want those Alberta clipper systems that bring in some of the very cold Arctic air. That's why sometimes, you know, in, in Ohio and in the Midwest, you'll see some of these systems that come down that don't have very much precipitation with them, but it'll drop a couple inches of snow because the snow ratio is very high. Now on the flip side, if you get a strong low pressure system coming up from the south um, that's swinging into you know the lower Ohio Valley or um, off the coast, um, a bomb cyclone that bombs out, that's from our last storm school, um, that, that's have the, some very strong warm um, air advection that's basically bringing in warm air from the south, um, not only at the surface, but also at the higher levels of the atmosphere, then that 850 millibar temperature will really increase, and that's going to cause your snow ratios to often go you know, below 10 to 1, even 5 to 1. That's when you get the heavy, wet snow that, even though there's a lot of precipitation coming down, it doesn't accumulate as much as it you would in a... Um, colder um, scenario. So that's kind of the basic of what a snow ratio is when you hear a meteorologist say the average snow ratio is 10 to 1. That's what we do usually um, to make it easier on us as meteorologists and to kind of make it easier on the public. That's kind of the average we usually assume, but there are certain cases where we have to assume other snow ratios because it's it's just such a different scenario. So that's what a snow ratio is. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. So let's get back to the podcast.
All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the show. Um, we, we wanted to, before we got into the discussion, we were hoping to have William Cole from Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV uh, joining us to uh, introduce uh, the show to us a little bit and introduce Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV to our listeners and, and those that maybe aren't familiar. We will definitely get him on another show if we, if we don't make this work uh, before we get started. But we do want to get into our discussion because uh, this is a great discussion. The, the challenge is we all know alternative facts and fake news have been popular buzzwords uh, over the last several months, but weather news is definitely not immune to that. Uh, many people in attempt to report first. So we're in this society now where you, you, you want to be first, you want to be the first one to get the news out there or the photos or the videos out there, because if you do that, you get more follows, more retweets, more shares, right? All that stuff. In, in an attempt to do that, uh, people are going to post false storm photos and video, even report incorrect storm information on their social media accounts. So what are we to do when, when the media runs rampant, even spreading that into television? And those of you in TV weather can, can maybe talk a little bit about this, but I've seen where someone on social media, some average Joe, uh, takes a video of a tornado or some severe storm. Uh, then what happens is someone else picks up that video they might copy it and then post it on their own social media, almost looking like it's their own. But regardless, next thing you know, you see all these TV and video outlets contacting them saying, hey, can we use it? Can we use it? Can we use it? And, and they're all trying to be the first to do it. And we don't even know who it came from. We maybe don't even know where exactly this was. We just want to post something dramatic. That's one of the hardest things. Um, I'm one of the social media specialists at the Weather Channel. And so part of my job actually is getting UGC content or user generated content and scanning, you know, different social media feeds. And you always have to double check. You can even right click on an image and see like if it's been seen across Google before. And that gives you a really good idea. Like people love to post photos from like past disasters and it's, it happens every single time, multiple times. And I, I always wonder what causes someone to do that. They just think it's funny that everyone thinks it's that disaster, but it's one of those things that you always want to get back to the source because even some people, if they steal someone else's video and post it as their own and all you got all these media outlets converging on them to get access to it, they'll try and take credit for it sometimes. And so it's always your job to make sure you get the right source for it. But it's a it's a constant stress. It's never gonna go away. And it's something that you just you gotta be smart about if you're in social media or in on camera meteorologists or anybody. Um, and especially with, I think a lot of weather enthusiasts, um, they get excited about the forecast. And since forecasts are available, like weather models to basically everyone now, um, I, I feel like they don't know exactly what they're looking at or know how to appropriately communicate that to the public. And they are just like two weeks from now, a major snowstorm, and then it goes viral. Wait, are you saying Snopes can't keep up with that? <laughs> no, <laughs> mess. That's but where it, I get all my urban legends from, right? <laughs> but it's one of those things, and then everyone believes that source, and you know, it, it just causes a lot of confusion, and you have a lot of meteorologists trying to correct that because they mm -hmm. get texts from family and friends. 
Yeah. Try really to have a little fun. common sense on pictures. Like some of them I can't tell either, but if like you said, right mouse click on the image and search Google for the image because people will take something and then they'll Photoshop like an alligator or a shark. <laughs> yes. And I'll yes. get all kinds of images yeah. over on the digital side of the Weather Channel. Like, is this real? And you yeah. know, you'll have like 15 arches of a rainbow and I've got an, a gator in walking across the street and it's, it's not. The video is harder. I mean, I, I definitely get what you're getting because there's times where I've even sent tweets to people. I'm like, hey, can I use your video? And they're like, it's not mine. Yeah. And you got to dig and dig and dig and find out who it came from. But at the same time, like, look at your source in front of any specific i'm going to use the daily mail but i only use them because they had gotten the hurricanes wrong for a while and they used my images once you know like are you going to look at that or are you going to look at say like the weather channel or cnn or somebody that you know has got it together yeah. um, but that's hard because there's so yeah. much on social media and it's great when it's true but it's hard to filter that stuff out but you take it with a grain of salt yeah and it's is Go it going to get worse? I was going to say, do you think it's just going to continue to get worse? Is there a tipping yeah. point? I think it will. I think people think it's funny. Worse. They think it's yeah. funny that they're screwing it with everybody. They're like, <laughs> or they just don't care, or they just don't care, and they want oh, they the followers. You know, and I, and I think there's two different types of of people that spread you know fake news on the weather, and I think you know it's it's people that put out these forecasts, and it's also people that share you know pictures of what currently is happening. I think you know to regulate people posting pictures, I think that'd be tough because I think that would discourage a lot of people to, you know, because I think posting pictures of a tornado can actually help a lot and showing uh, mm -hmm. an image of a tornado can, you know, there's been a lot of research done that that actually helps people respond, um, like Dr. Myers was talking about earlier. Um, so I think that's hard. What, where I think, you know, we could really focus on is the forecasting and really, you know, encouraging people to follow people that have good forecasts and, mm -hmm. You know, discouraging people to follow people that don't have, you know, good forecasts and they're known to be people that hype. And I think there could be some things done there that can really improve that process. And that's hard because you don't know. Joe, Joe Average Schmo out there doesn't know. Like he might know the Weather Channel and he might know yeah. the big news yeah. sources. But like Brady, he's a Met student. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. And, but, you know, you don't know if it's Brady from college or like Brady, like trying to sit in yeah, exactly. mom's yeah. basement. You don't know. Laura, <laughs> what, what kind of work, Laura, have you so. done or been a part of that deals a little bit with that? Um, I've been working with the broadcast meteorologists, the TV meteorologists on this issue because they're very frustrated by it. And so, you know, we've looked at the issue in terms of what you can do about it. One of the things that it's causing is a lot of work by the broadcast meteorologists to figure out what's real and what's not. And then the other side of it is trying to clarify it for the public. And, and that goes to what you were just talking about. How does the public know who the credible sources are? And so what we've been recommending is we've got to educate the public about who their credible sources are. So in social media, on television, all these different ways, we've got to make it clear who the trusted sources are. And it really comes down to trust. You know, they got to figure out if they're getting something two weeks out and it's totally skewed. They need to understand that you can't do that two weeks out, that that information's bogus. And so educating them, you know, through our official sources, our official accounts, our official ways of reaching the public about what's real and what's not real will help the public make better judgments about what they're seeing. Yeah, and I, I feel like another thing that they could possibly do is, 
you know, I know this might be tough, um, but have some sort of not necessarily performance matrix, but have some other um, Elston being like an AMS certified meteorologist as a broadcast meteorologist, but have some sort of other seal that that you know they, that that shows people that really you know proves to them that they are an experienced forecaster because a lot of times, um, you know, it, pe uh, people you see on TV might not be the best forecaster, and and you don't know that you know, and because it's not like people are going back and actually charting you know, what these meteorologists said, you know, if they were a couple degrees off, there's not many people that are doing that. So they, you know, they just, they just go based on what they perceive is true in, in that moment. That's an interesting idea, Brady, actually, because, um, you know, Twitter has like verification. So if you see the check mark, the blue check mark, you're like, okay, you know, that's that person. Yeah. But um, that's a good point. Cause even for like Facebook, because it's, it's the post itself that gets shared a lot. So if there's something that, and for Twitter too, because um, working with, with both, it can be difficult to get verified on Twitter. So even if you're a credible meteorologist, sometimes it'll take some time to get verified. But if there's another way like to even work with Twitter and Facebook and get some kind of verification for meteorologists and, yeah, and weather, yeah. yeah, I think that'd be interesting. So instead of like, you know, blue check mark next to your name or, or if you have a blue check mark, you have something else. So like, okay, the information I'm getting from this person is credible and accurate rather than just, you know, and it may be an innocent kid that, you know, that maybe puts these out. He, he loves weather. He's fascinated by it, but he just doesn't understand it. And he doesn't realize what he's doing. He's like, wow, look at all the shares I'm getting, but yeah. he doesn't understand the confusion that he's causing. So maybe something like Amazon shoppers where you're like, well, there's 2 million people that trust that guy. You can do the same thing. as like, oh, there's <laughs> Bobby. You could have like five stars. So now people like, are going to be going for star ratings instead of clicks and retweets. You're just, you're changing yeah. the scope. That's what we're trying to do. Be a disruptor. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But no, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> what what about um I've heard other people talk about digital seals like AMS maybe talking about digital seals is that correct is, have people heard about that Yeah Yeah and the, would that ahead. help police anything or does that really not matter I don't know I mean really the average Joe Smo do they think no. oh I don't even think they know what a no, seal is that's true. No, I I would agree with you on that yeah, so I think that. so I yeah, so my point is, you know, maybe either make that seal more, you know, educate the public on what this means or come up with something different that communicates the public in a more effective way because I think, you know, if I were to go call my mom right now and ask her what the, you know, the broadcast seal, you know, the AMS broadcast seal is for meteorologists, she'd have yeah. no idea what I'm thinking, you know. I agree. So, or, well, here and here's the last thing I want to throw out there too when it comes comes to fake news or, or who to listen to, because I know it's also been an issue, not in the media, but with the National Weather Service, getting reports and false reports and fake reports of tornadoes and things like that that maybe really weren't there. And the challenge that the National Weather Service has to try and filter out false storm reports and correct storm reports, so much so that sometimes they, they don't, they discount true reports of tornadoes when they should be issuing uh, issuing a tornado warning and they're not doing it because they're having such a hard time trying to filter those. So I'll, I'll kind of throw that at Laura as well. Have you, have you come across any of that in your studies? 
We have, um, you know, it, it's been an identified problem and, you know, kind of informally what they do is, you know, they kind of know who their trusted sources are. And so that's how they filter, you know, they, they get the information from their trusted sources and they use that to confirm the stuff from the, the people that they don't know. And so we've actually been developing some technology to do that automatically. Um, my center is a technology center and so we've been working with several of the broadcast meteorologists and the weather service folks about, you know, can we develop software that would actually do that for them, which would mean you've already got your pre-identified storm spotters and people that provide that information. So as that comes in, it's going to classify it against the stuff that, that you don't know. And so then it would produce that for you on the fly that you don't have to do the filtering right in the middle of the event. And I think also the National Weather Service uh, chat actually helps out too, because when other meteorologists are saying viewers are seeing this and they're writing that in there and the National Weather Service teams are seeing that too. It can just all around help with, you know, understanding exactly what is happening. So that's really cool. Well, that's good. And, and I'll tell you what, we always encourage all of our listeners and viewers to tell us uh, what you think about the dis discussion topics that we go through as well. And, and this is no different. So tell us what you think. You can comment by email at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com. You can comment on our Facebook page. Uh, just search Stormfront Freaks Podcast or our Twitter account, which uh, the handle is Stormfront Freak. And Maz, there's no S at the end of that. I'm sorry to, to freak you out. Uh, but any of those comments, we, have, we always like to share some of those on our, our next show. So feel free to let us know what you guys think about fake weather news and, and all that kind of stuff. We're What we're going to do is go ahead and take our final uh, quick break. So refill your drinks. And, and when we come back, it's going to be time for Weather Fools and Weather Resources. So as many of you have heard, our Stormfront Freaks Raw video, which is actually the video of our podcast recording, is now being simulcast weekly on Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV. And so we're very excited about being able to expose the show to a, a larger group of, of individuals, especially in storm-prone Oklahoma. But we have uh, on the show quick to say hello is the meteorologist and the creator, actually, of Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV, and that's William Cole. So, William, uh, we're excited about being a part of your programming every week. But if you can, give our listeners that may not know you or may not know about Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV, maybe uh, tell us a little bit about you and, and about your show. Hey, Phil. Uh, thanks for having me on the uh, show uh, tonight. Really appreciate it. And also really glad to uh, have you guys on Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV or simulcasting your, uh, your live raw show uh, Thursday nights on Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV. So a little bit about me and a little bit about the channel and the app and the website. Uh, everything started back in uh, 2009. I started a website called OklahomaWeatherTracker.com. And it was mainly for the fact, believe it or not, that in Oklahoma there just wasn't a lot of readily available uh, weather content. And whether it being forecast maps, whether it being radar, uh, you know, whatever it was, there just wasn't a lot of just readily available information uh, for Oklahomans. And, of course, weather in Oklahoma, it affects everyone's life, and it almost affects it on a daily basis. Uh, you know, we just have, uh, you know, basically all gamuts of weather here, whether it's uh, severe weather, you know, whether it's winter weather, 
or whether it's fire weather or uh, whether it's, you know, extreme highs, extreme lows. I mean, we really just have it all, uh, you know, every single week of the year. So there's really just not really a slow weather time uh, for us here in, in the Sooner State. So, uh, so anyway, so I started the website, OklahomaWeatherTracker.com, just to kind of put some content out there, see, you know, kind of how it went, and uh, see if anybody, uh, you know, visited it, if anybody actually used that content. And uh, as time went on, um, I also started some social media, like a Twitter feed and also a uh, Facebook uh, page as well. And I actually built in, uh, at the time, it was actually one of the first ones around. Nowadays, you can actually buy it from different companies and they'll supply it. Uh, but I actually created a live, kind of like a watch and morning, like live feed for uh, social media on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, so those just grew. And that, that was kind of at least the initial early key to my success was that with those live watches and mornings and, and all kinds of other stuff, it was kind of like an automated 24-hour just ticker feed. Um, you know, people started following me on, on social media. And as social media grew, obviously the uh, website and the, uh, the daily users on the website uh, grew as well. So kind of fast forward in time a little bit, uh, I went ahead and started a mobile app, you know, just to put my uh, content a little more readily available at the fingertips of everybody, you know, with smartphones, iPhones, Androids and such, you know, people are really turning or really were turning at the time uh, to those more for content. So again, I went ahead and started a mobile app, the Oklahoma Weather Tracker mobile app. It was fairly basic, it was fairly bare bones at the time, uh, but again, I just put all that same content into that. And uh, that actually continued to grow as well. And in fact, uh, even the bare bones basic app that I had at the time uh, became one of the top downloaded Oklahoma weather apps. And even when you search for it in the Android store or the, or the iPhone store, uh, again, if, even still to this date, if you type in Oklahoma weather, uh, generally mine is the top one or two apps that uh, shows up there. So anyway, so as the app continued to grow, more people were downloading it, more people were using it. Um, you know, I kind of spruced up, gave it better graphics, gave it a better overall feel, and then, uh, you know, kind of jumped forward in time to May of 2015, um, I decided to go ahead and start a video channel uh, to go along with that app. And, uh, you know, I'd never really done video or anything like that. Didn't really know how it would go, if, how people would receive it. Um, you know, they were familiar with my product, but they weren't necessarily familiar with me as a person, uh, you know, delivering the weather content to them. Again, they were just familiar with my maps and and uh, again, you know, just the uh, the app and, and the website and stuff like that. So we started a video channel, and it was just uh, basically the format is, is the same as it is today, uh, where I do three live shows per day at noon, 4, and 7 p.m., and it's called Oklahoma Weather Live, where I basically present the daily forecast a little more in-depth. You know, we don't have to scale it down to two and a half or three minutes like uh, some of the other guys do, so we're able to kind of take our time, explain the forecast a little more in detail, and go into a few additional things during the weather cast as well. Uh, but the other thing that, that really has set our video apart, and I think the, one of the things that's really made it grow, is that besides that, we also cover uh, severe weather. We cover it live, severe weather, winter weather, fire weather, whatever it is. And so when I say we cover it live, we do it basically the same way you see it in the Oklahoma City TV market, uh, where we have chasers in the field, and they're able to live stream in real time the video back uh, they're also able to talk on the phone live with us as well, and we produce it all uh, in real time. So we're producing live severe weather coverage. And, uh, you know, kind of the neat thing about us is that, um, you know, we don't have to worry about, uh, you know, interrupting any kind of prime time programming. So even on a day that, you know, there's just severe weather ongoing where, you know, most of the major network affiliates still do, you know, 
frequent updates throughout the evening to let you know what's going on. But again, obviously, they're going to air their prime time programming. Uh, you know, we don't have to worry about that. We're able to be live uh, the entire time producing live severe weather content. And again, you know, we focus on rural Oklahoma, western Oklahoma. That, you know, sometimes really doesn't get a lot of coverage uh, regardless. And, uh, you know, so we focus on those folks. And again, we, you know, go throughout the evening, throughout the day, whatever it is. Again, with that, the live severe weather coverage. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really, I think, kind of set us apart, that people can turn to us, again, knowing uh, they don't have to worry about, uh, you know, waiting for a commercial break uh, to get a live uh, severe weather update. And then uh, the other thing I think that's also kind of, you know, made our product grow or my product grow, and I'll kind of wrap this up because I know you're probably limited on time, uh, but, you know, everything we do is fairly organic. Uh, you know, if you download uh, the app or if you get a new phone, you're looking for Oklahoma weather apps or whatever, again, if you type in Oklahoma weather, our app shows up. If you, you know, just get a brand-new Roku, uh, Roku streaming player or you just get Apple TV or you just get Amazon Fire TV, you know, the first thing you do is type in Oklahoma and look for local stations. There's really not a lot of local Oklahoma content. I'm really one of the only channels uh, that shows up as far as actual news and weather information on there. And uh, so for us, you know, the other kind of piece of, of our ingredients that we've had is that we, we have just a lot of these organic users uh, who, again, they just get these new uh, streaming players or they're looking for an app. And as they type in Oklahoma or Oklahoma weather, you know, we're there at the top of the list. And, uh, you know, they download our product and, um, you know, they continue to use us. And uh, that's something we're thankful for that, again, they do download it and they do continue to uh, use us as well. So uh, that, in a very brief nutshell, is a very quick history of uh, kind of how OklahomaWeatherTracker.com became Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV and, again, kind of what we're doing uh, going forward. And just briefly to touch on also our mission going forward here, again, you know, adding, uh, you know, your podcast as live content as well. We're trying to kind of grow, uh, uh, you know, our um, basically our programming schedule a little bit, especially for the folks that have Apple TV, Roku TV, Amazon Fire TV, uh, you know, we're trying to provide them a little bit of evening programming as well, besides just our normal forecast programming. So we're just now kind of venturing out into that. Uh, your podcast is one of the first things we're doing with it. But, I mean, so far, uh, just, you know, in really two weeks of doing it with one live cast and two uh, previously recorded episodes, uh, you know, overall, um, you know, it's been fairly well received. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to kind of work on it and, and grow it on our end as far as how we promote it and how we present it and such, uh, again, on, on our end is what I'm talking about. And uh, and I think it will. I think it will really become a staple on Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV and here in Oklahoma for the folks to watch, but, again, also uh, even around the nation of people that, uh, you know, randomly tune into the channel who are looking for weather content and also, you know, possibly find your podcast as well. So, anyway, again, thanks for uh, having me on the show and uh, really look forward to uh, working with you guys and, again, having uh, more of your live uh, podcast on the channel as well. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. So now we're going into our Weather Fools. Now, for those of you who are first, you know, this is your first time joining us this week. So Weather Fools is basically... Um, we look at things that happen in the news, things that happen to TV weather people, or things that just happen on YouTube videos where people did something a little bit stupid um, when it comes to the weather. That's um, the correct term. Yes, That's it good. is the correct term. Yes, it, is. it is. It's They're weather fools. Um, so let's get to our first uh, weather, or not weather fool. You're not a weather fool, but what <laughs> is your weather fool Careful. this week, Dina? Ooh. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen. 
And my weather fool is from the Goofy News Minute, I guess. Um, mainly when you hit, watch this and you'll probably, I'm going to kind of skip through here, but mainly it's a lot of um, reporters during a storm with these fools oh, behind no. them. Was um, that the Gundam style in the background? Yeah. <laughs> and they're all MJ, like show dancing us video. naked behind them. I did cut one of them that was really naked. Because um, uh -oh. I know the, the on-camera meteorologist who was doing it. And he was not happy, but these guys are out there. And like this guy's are here at the corner talking about the storm, and you got these people <laughs> oh, doing like turnouts around the corner. <laughs> oh my god. But my favorite is coming up here. Oh, this guy's funny. He's standing there under like a, a little roof and then the lightning and it just scares him. Now this one is my favorite. Uh this woman, Angelica, is up in um Wisconsin. She's out there all day, freezing her tail off. And mainly what happens at the end is she's like, do you need me to say anything more than it sucks? It's cold. <laughs> and it really went around social media about her saying that. Like, everybody loved it. But, um, you know, like, I think they weren't always, uh, some people weren't excited that she said that word. But, I mean, I love her. If I she's stood out there all day freezing my Damn. tail off and I'm like, do you really need a Met to stand out here and tell you this is awful? Bam. I love it. it yes. She's yeah. funny. She's funny. So Job that is my weather fool. Job's yeah, a good weather fool. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll post that link uh, to the Stormfront Freaks page. Now let's go over to Jen. Jen, what is your weather fool this week? Oh my God, it's exciting and thrilling. So I'm, I'm, it I'm better like, be, excited now. It better be. Okay. Built it up. So I know. Hold on, hold on. All right. Am I sharing? Whoa, that's such a crazy experience on my computer. It looks weird. Oh, okay, Can you guys yeah, see this? Yeah. Okay, Ice. so what's been happening a lot is it's been an unusually warm winter. So across the Great Lakes and even smaller ponds, people aren't realizing how thin the ice is. So we've got a group of kids trying to take oh. a selfie on oh, the ice, God. and they all it's always a ice. selfie. Oh, no. This is this is in Central Park. This is in New York, and this is probably from a couple days ago. But you see really? them, wow, yeah, struggling to kind of get out. Moron. But it's yeah, oh it's it's kind of scary because um, and and I can replay it again. Oops, wouldn't no. the that, that's Prince yeah. give it away? But hey, that that you know the original we were going to originally call this show the uh, segment Weather Morons. <laughs> uh, someone felt that that might be a little too harsh. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, that was good. That might qualify yeah. as a that weather, weather oh, moron. Well, yeah, they're, they're, that was a group, a pack of weather morons. So it's it just was. People, people don't understand. All right, Phil, what was your uh, weather fool? Not moron. Weather All fool. All right, so, so here, here's here's my weather fool. Obviously, storm season is fast approaching. Those of you in the southeast, it's, it's already there. And so I, I'm just a, a heads-up warning to people, a reminder that when it starts to hail, uh, and you're on the highway driving your car. Don't everybody park uh, <laughs> under the oh, pass, uh, so that no one can get by you. Because challenge number one is if everybody's parking under the overpass in a hailstorm. <laughs> number one's no no one's getting through. But number two is most people aren't getting out. And a lot and and many times, and those of you that are meteorologists can correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, quite often. In a hailstorm, odds are that there might be a, a lot of lift somewhere that mm -hmm. could also be creating a tornado. Yeah. Yep. And so yep. if there's somewhere yes. there could be a tornado nearby and your highway is completely blocked and backed up because you have a bunch of uh, weather morons. Yahoos. Sitting yeah. on the <laughs> overpass because of a hailstorm, 
now you've really screwed everybody because here comes a tornado. No one can go anywhere. And as they say, uh, do not uh, uh, under an overpass is not a safe place to be no, during a tornado. That's the worst place no. to be. Yeah. It goes. Yeah, it goes beyond everything as a human being to take shelter. But that is the worst place you could be. I've actually read reports where like people have gotten out of the car and gotten up into the top there. And they've had like kids ripped out of the arms of their parents because it's like water going through a small part of the stream and it and it get the wind goes faster. It's yeah, the worst place it. to be. Yep, it tunnels it's it. Really scary. There's a great yeah. video yeah. of that from Kansas from like 15, 20 years yes, ago. Yes, and that's what yeah. like fake news. That's what you're not supposed to do there. Fake news. Yep, yep. fake news. Turn it to facts. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, guys, we'll have uh, all the links um, to the weather fools on our Stormfront Freaks. Uh, website go check that out and now let's head over to mark or maz for uh the weather uh, resources thank you brady appreciate it you know you, you'll get to the point where you think are we running out of resources have we like looked at every single one <laughs> never dina never. says no. no i got a good one. always stuff oh am i Tell up more, yeah oh. you're up <laughs> i'm gonna share my screen again okay uh you are you guys see my screen we see you. I see, I see you. And face. You look great tonight. Yeah. The, the moonshine. Oh, there we go. Share the moonshine glow. glow. There we go. The moonshine right. glow. So this is um, uh, coast.noaa.gov forward slash hurricanes. And I just learned of this the other day. And really what's cool about this is if you can see on my screen, if you can't just uh, follow, like, listen to me, there's like you can pick by location, name, year, or ocean basin. So say I want to look at um, maybe the Western Atlantic and I want to see, and I could filter some of these storms out. Um, when you click on advanced filters, you can do like, um, it says H5. So hurricane, that would be category five, four, three, two, one, a tropical storm, uh, tropical depression, extra tropical. So maybe we pick, we want to filter out everything, but um, a hurricane cat three or higher. And maybe we want to pick a year, maybe back to say 1995 or something. We click apply, and this might take a second to load because I could see the little blue line at the top going past. But this is a great way to filter out um, data from certain hurricanes or tropical storms. Oh, and Dina. you can kind of That's zoom awesome. in. Oh, it's a spaghetti chart. Oh, yeah, let's see. You I can. Like you can filter this out even more, but over at the uh, left-hand side, if you click on the storm, it highlights it for you, which is even better. Yeah, that's, yeah, cool. that's awesome. So that's awesome. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And I was just doing this the other day for something. What was the one over near uh, Mozambique? I was trying. I've had Bob, Katrina. Oh. No, no, no. This was no. just the other day. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think. Is when has anything hit Mozambique? You know, when was the last hurricane? And I used this. Somebody showed me this. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's been since uh, Lizette in 1995 or something. But like you, like right now, um, I just filtered out cool. everything except Cat 5s. You wow. can zoom in. Um, you know, it shows the intensity with the colors. But I love that you can, like, just just mouse over the certain yeah. storm and it shows it to you. Um, so there's Katrina of 2005. It gives you the year. I mean, this thing is great, and you could do it anywhere in the world. I would so have that's so, mine. I would have so used that for my master's thesis, which I never got. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. It's still that time, could, bro. That's cool. It's still time. 
<laughs> That's time. a good one. I just learned that one too because somebody had I had said, well, "How did you figure out when the last time something hit Mozambique?" And they're like, "Oh, let me show you." And I'm like, "Oh my god, weather resource." That's awesome. I was okay, excited. eight plus. That's that was great. Yeah. All right, we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum. Still in school, Brady. Ooh, yes. I'm almost out of school. Almost yeah. out. But what, wait, what's the day? So you think? So what's you think? I think you know. <laughs> well, we'll see. One of my professors. Diploma. One of my professors is is pretty. Uh, he's being pretty hardcore right now. So hopefully, I pass. No, it'll. it'll I'm work Italian. Out. You let me know who he is. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'll care of it for you. All right, so this is uh, my weather resource is the CPC, also known as the Climate Prediction Center. Um, you can go here, and this basically is long-range forecasting. So beyond, you know, this will be the 6 to 10 day. You'll see the red indicates, you know, percentages, basically. So, you know, say in Florida, it's it's 80%. That's basically saying 80%. They're 80% confident that it will be warmer than average there. And then you'll see the blue out west. That's colder than average. Um, and this actually goes out. This is the eight to fourteen day. This is the three to four week, even the one month outlook and the three month outlook. So they have, um, you know, temperature and precipitation values. Um, a lot of really interesting stuff if you're looking at long range forecasting. Um, and you know, I, I've been looking at it because I'm in, I'm going to the beach for spring break. <laughs> yeah. And trying to figure out and look, look, it's going to be warmer than normal. So I'm I'm happy Ooh. about that. I'm happy about that. Is that why you're? That on was the a good one, diet? Brady. Is that why I'm on a what, Maz? Oh. Low carb diet. Is that why? Look, well, <laughs> yeah. Start doing some steps, Brady. <laughs> ding, ding. Yes. All I know is I'm gonna look great, and it's gonna be amazing. The more you drink, the better you look. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not showing this video. I'm just saying. Dina, I, I haven't, I haven't drank in two weeks. It's pretty unbelievable. It's pretty. I know. Pretty I do that when I'm on stuff. my diet too, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of. Uh, you can have a cheat. You can myself. have a cheat day. You can have a cheat day every now and then. You know. Yeah. Cheat day Very is cool. every other Thursday night. <laughs> Nine o'clock nice. Eastern, eight o'clock Central. I like those percentages, Brady. Good job. I'm a hundred percent sure I'm out of Angry Orchard right now. Just letting <laughs> you know. So. <laughs> All right, Phil, your turn. Take us away, man. All right. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of storm spotting classes are going on right now. It's the time of the year for that. So a lot of uh, local National Weather Service offices are doing their spotter training. And so I just wanted to make uh, that available. My, my guess is a lot of people that probably listen and watch us uh, are already either meteorologists or storm spotters and, and might already have that. But for those of you that maybe are not storm spotters and you would like to do that because it's very simple to do, um, one of the best resources is to go to the National Weather Service noaa.gov website uh, go to their training portal they have a training portal specifically for weather spotters that gives you an opportunity to not only go to your local forecast office uh, there's a link there and you can find out what classes might be offered and where they're being offered locally for you to attend but if you can't attend a class they also have access to the online comet modules where you can actually just online watch and go through the uh, kind of PowerPoint presentations, slide presentations. Uh, there's video involved in that as well, but you can do your storm spotting right from the comfort of your own couch and your skivvies if that's what you want to do. Very cool. And you can get your training and then find out from your local National Weather Service office uh, what their spotter phone number is. So you can get their spotter number and you can uh, call in 
what you see as far as storms and weather and, and snowfall amounts and all that good stuff. Um, That's awesome. Uh, great, great little source. I just like the way you say portal. I know. <laughs> portal. portal. <laughs> all right. So you can get all these great resources. They're going to be posted on our show notes located at stormfrontfreaks.com. Hey, any listener questions out there? Hey, well, Maz, as a matter of fact, we do have a couple of them. Um, we had uh, one turned in uh, via email at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com. And uh, that was Jimmy. Jimmy was asking a little bit about how ham radio operators uh, help out with the weather. And I will be responding to him. But if he happens to be listening, uh, you can check out episode four. Uh, go to stormfrontfreaks.com. Enterline. Uh, uh, who's a Skywarn area um, manager in Richmond, Virginia, and Todd Krause from the National Weather Service in the Twin Cities. And they both talked about uh, how ham radio and amateur radio play a role uh, in uh, in the weather. So check that out. Uh, those of you who might want to check that uh, or bone up on that, especially coming into spotter season. Um, and then uh, our uh, contest, our uh, MyRadar.com t-shirt winner uh, goes to Candyman13. There you go. Who gave us a review on iTunes, said, fun and informative. I'm a trained weather spotter and always trying to learn new things. This podcast is always part of that. So thank you at Candyman1327. That's awesome. And, and we are thank sending you. him. Uh, he's getting one of the uh, My Radar app t-shirts as well for doing that. Uh, just so you know, we do have a couple more of those still available. So if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, uh, and leave your Twitter handle. Um, we got a couple more shirts. We'll uh, try and get those out to you. Those awesome. Cool. I, cool. I know. I want one too, Maz. All right. Well, you got to leave a review. I didn't see you leave a review on iTunes. So maybe I didn't know I could. I know. I thought we were excluded. No, I don't have internet, yeah. so I can't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, give me 15 tonight. seconds. I'm just no shirt for you. <laughs> All right. So that about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast and Stormfront Freaks Raw. Thanks for listening and watching. And if you enjoy the show, we'd love it if you left a review on iTunes, like we just said. And, and the benefit of that is the more reviews we have, it's just when people search, you know, weather and weather podcasts, uh, the better chance that they'll be able to find us. And so they're just, you're just helping us out and doing that. So we really appreciate that. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Laura Myers, uh, for joining us this evening. I, I also wanted to bring up and let everybody know that March, so we're coming up on March, March is National Weather Podcast Month. And That's so this so is pretty awesome. exciting. Woo. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be so participating awesome. in a number of crossover shows with seven other weather podcasts. So I know, uh, I, I think we got Jen, I think we got Dina, I think we got Kim are all going to be on other weather podcasts as well. You know, I, I was thinking about this today. I'm like, you know, the reason I picked the ladies is because they're all currently in you know, practicing meteorology or whatever. And I figured weather podcasts, they'd be more most interested in having them on their show because Lord knows I can't really talk anything about weather. But then I thought, you know, it seems like I'm pimping out all the ladies on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I felt kind of bad about that. But, it's but okay. that was the reason why. It was because of your qualifications, right? Okay. How much money are you so? making? So, That's yeah. what we're calling it. So, hey, so if you want to see the schedule of all the weather podcast shows that are going on in March, and I'll tell you what, every single one of them is coming up with some outstanding programming, including us. 
Uh, but if you want to go to our website, stormfrontfreaks.com, and click on the National Weather Podcast Month logo, it will take you to a page that talks about all the, there's seven other weather podcasts besides us. Talk about those podcasts. And there's also a link to check out the programming and all the shows they're going to have. Uh, and I want to share this because we have an exciting month planned for all of you. Our next episode in two weeks, so this starts off our National Podcast Month. Uh, this will be on March 9th, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. Uh, we're going to have none other than Extreme Storm Chaser Reed Timmer Woo! to be our guest. Uh, so we're starting off month, uh, the month of March with a bang. We're going to have a lot of fun with Reed. I, I can imagine this is like a perfect show for him um, uh, to just kind of go crazy. But we're also going to have a guest co-host from the Weather Junkies podcast. Uh, Dakota, uh, Dakota Smith is going to be joining us as a guest co-host. So that should be fun. Cool. Uh, go this to is like it's like an NBC crossover night, isn't it, or something? That's great. Yeah, yeah kind of like a little bit. We got all the superheroes, yep, showing up on other shows. <laughs> it's kind of what it is. So again, go to stormfrontfreaks.com if you want to watch it live in two weeks uh, with Reed Timmer. Uh, feel free to do that as well. We're gonna have a lot of fun. So I, I think that's it. With with uh, so our first, you know, we had our first live show with Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV, uh, which is outstanding. But I think for MJ. Maz, Brady, Dina, and Jen, I think it's okay. You guys good? All yeah. good. We're all good. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all. Okay, I'm going to signal the all clear, finish your drinks, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 an all clear. Stay away from the carbs. Carbs are evil. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. To subscribe and be notified when new episodes of our bi-weekly show are available, you can go to iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app and search the Stormfront Freaks. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter at stormfrontfreak. We'd love to hear from you. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out the interactive radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com, providing interactive weather content for web, mobile, and digital displays at cost-effective prices. Zoomradar.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormfrontfreaks. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.